Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We will be uploading sermons here regularly, so if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast to get notified of each new episode. This episode will feature night one of the Breakthrough Global Summit. Turn with me to Isaiah. I feel the anointing. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14, then 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4. We're going to talk about the great apostasy. The theme of this year's conference is reclaiming an apostate generation. Somebody say reclaiming an apostate generation. Now, if y'all talk back to me, I'll get done quicker. Somebody say amen. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. That means he was not in heaven. I will exalt my throne. It meant he was enthroned, but he was not satisfied with his enthronement. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, which means the place where you position me is not good enough because my ambition is higher than my position. I'm trying to teach you to, I'm already preaching. I'm going to help you discern a Luciferian concept in your church when somebody is operating under the spirit of Lucifer. Y'all not going to like this. This is apostolic preaching. This is not, we'll Google somebody else and put their points on the board in a minute, but this is apostolic preaching. Somebody say amen. I'll teach you how to discern when Satan is in your church masquerading as a sheep. You give them a position on the door and they want to prophesy to everybody that walks in. But we didn't ask you to be a prophet. We asked you to be a doorkeeper. You put them in the children's ministry and they're sending out periodicals to the ministry team, to the elders. We didn't ask you to oversee the elders. We asked you to pass out crackers in children's church. I'm not satisfied where my position lies. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. In other words, you didn't give me a seat, but I'm going to put one there anyway. You ever watch the people that itch and itch and itch closer and closer to the front, and you never ask them to sit there? Y'all going to work with me tonight. I said, you didn't ask them to sit there. Here we go. He said, on the farther side, of the, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Watch this. And I will be like the most high God. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4 and 9 through 12 says, let no one deceive you by any means. That means that the atmosphere of what he's about to address is against the backdrop of deception. He said, for that day will not come. So do not be deceived in thinking that the day of the Lord is going to come without this happening. He says, the day of the Lord will not come until the falling away comes first. So you can't be surprised at what we see when we turn on YouTube. Because the falling, okay. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. In other words, I'm higher than the worship segment of the service. Watch this. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Y'all still chasing prophets, telling your social security number, not recognizing. Y'all not going, it's getting tight already. I got my intercessors, y'all. Y'all still chasing A lying sign and wonder looking for God's manifestation and all you leave with is a thousand dollars less than what you had in your bank account and information about you that you already knew. It says, according to the working of Satan, now that don't mean God can't tell you, but he's not saying it in every service. 
signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception, watch this, because there's only a certain caliber of people that are impacted by it. It says, with unrighteous deception among those who perish. So if you're moved by any of this, then you are categorized not with those that have eternal life, but the judgment of perishing has already been passed on you. We're going to reclaim an apostate generation because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They don't love the truth. They don't love the truth. They don't love the truth. That means don't bring me to a church that's going to preach the word and bring an element of conviction to my life that makes me realize I have to make an adjustment. Bring me to the church that makes me comfortable in my mess so that I can feel like I'm among those that all have a little something, something. Because they don't have a love for the truth that they might be saved. The Bible says for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. You didn't wake up delusional. God made you delusional. That they should believe the lie. That they also may be condemned with those who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Somebody say reclaiming an apostate generation. Apostasy has been defined, give me 10 minutes, by Merriam-Webster Dictionary as a renunciation of a religious faith, an abandonment of a previous loyalty or a defection. It is derived from a 14th century Middle English word, apostasy with I-E on the end, or from the Latin and Greek apostasia, which means a revolt. Some might say a revolt. It has its root in the word apo, which is also where we get the word apostle from, which means from, away from, separate, or a free form. An apostasy, then, is a falling away. It is a waxing cold and a turning away from the faith. It is the loss of spiritual sight and spiritual stamina. It is the loss of passion. Somebody say passion and righteous zeal in the pursuit of the things of the Lord. You used to want to pray. Now we can't pay you to pray. You used to want to come to church and be a part of the worship service. But now you schedule your alarm clock not to wake you up until praise and worship is over. See, I got to present to you something, and I'm going to get through this real quick, but, but we have to recognize that there are people in here under the sound of my voice that are actually backslidden and nobody told you yet. Because you have confused backsliding with going back to the club and losing your seat in church. But see, in order for apostasy to be what it is, it means that you have defected from the faith, but you're still in the same position. It means that you have defected from your relationship with God, but you still have all of the semblance of your relationship with God. It is the loss of passion. It is the degradation of what was once holy and the abasement of the same. Somebody said, let the holy be holy. And what is unholy be unholy. When you get to the point in the house of God where there is no distinction between what is holy and what is unholy. What is sanctified, y'all not going to like me and I don't even care. What is sanctified and what is defiled it means that the church has fallen into, oh God, you're, uh, it's already starting, has fallen into an apostate state. Now, I understand that the Bible says that all have sinned and did what? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody in here that has never sinned, please raise your hand. Because I want to take notes and figure out how to live the rest of my life sinless because you managed to do it. Anybody here without sin? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Say, I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory. But there's nothing in that context of that scripture that says we're supposed to abide in a sinful state that has fallen short of the glory. Because once you have experienced the glory of God, there has to be a commensurate level of transformation because you start to get turned into the image of the glory that you see. Somebody say amen. So one experience in the glory, it incites in you a hunger for more of the glory. 
Y'all not saying, I don't got no glory people here. It's all right. And so the more I taste it and experience it, the more I want to be like it and be in it. And the more I experience it, the more I realize that there are certain things in me that are not conducive with the glory. So if I'm seeking the glory, this has got to go. If I'm seeking the glory, I can't be over here. If I'm seeking the glory, this relationship has got to go. So let me present to you that the present status of the church makes me believe we've not encountered glory. How is it that you're a worship leader leading us into a place you've never been? I said apostolic preaching, right? We got to break demonic altars. How is it that we believe a deception that the unsanctified can lead us into an experience with a holy God? See, y'all feel how tight that is? See, that's that religious spirit that has everybody's mind blinded. But I don't care. We're here at the summit to bust it up. It doesn't mean nobody's better than nobody else, but it means that God is gripping us in this generation. Oh, yes, and it's not going to be church as usual, but we've got to press in to a new experience in God. Apostasy is when pastors... Control and manipulate the sheep. Some of y'all can't say amen. Your pastor might be in here with you. You've been sitting there for 25 years. Lord, help me tonight. I don't know why Tiffany's plane did not come through. Because if we would have waited till Friday, I would have been too tired to preach all of this. Where's Tiffany? She really ain't no better. If you heard her preach, she's the same way. You've been sitting there for 25 years with no change. No deliverance. You buried everybody in your family that ever got sick. There's no healing. And you're still waiting for something to happen. Oh, y'all, oh, God, help me in here. That your experience has proven it's never going to happen. Apostasy. Pastors who control and manipulate their congregations to take your resources, to take your money, to take your energy, to take your strength. But yet, when it comes time to you to realize who God has called you to be, they stand as a blocker to the gate, to the portal of your destiny. It's all right if you're not ready. But 25 years later and I'm still not ready? Well, what are we waiting for? Apostasy. It is when the pastor, y'all not going to like this, take your little coins that you're rubbing together to feed your kids to put Eve St. Laurent on their back and you don't got groceries. It's apostasy. Y'all got to help me. I feel this on me. Lord Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me. I can't go there. Huh? It's when pastors, can I, can I preach the truth for a minute? Because if we're dealing with apostasy, we have to deal with the truth. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You, oh, God, help me, please. Please, 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 please. You shouldn't be covering up rendezvous with the pastor. And you coming into church, hiding your face from the pastor's spouse. It's apostasy. We're dealing, I know it's tight, right? It's tight. We're dealing with a generation in the church that has defected from the faith. And we are too desensitized to truth to discern it. There used to be a day in the church. I will, uh, there used to be a day in the church that you were afraid to come to church with unrepentant sin. Not because the pastor was going to call you out. There was some mother somewhere on the second or the third row that you knew if she looked at you a little funny and said, I need to talk. You already know what she had to talk to you about. Those were the days when the fear of the Lord was still in the house. You thought, let me get myself together before I walk into the house of God. 
Apostasy says I'm not even going to take time to repent. And the church ought to be happy that I'm here to sing on the praise team because after all, they can't do it without me. They say I spent all Saturday night in a bed of iniquity and fornication and I'm going to come and play on the instrument anyway and they better be happy that I'm here because the sound ain't the same if I'm not here. Baby, we'll get us one of them little soundtracks, you know, one of them things, one of them little ones, them little tracks that don't got no lyrics on it before we are. It's, it's an apostate generation. The scripture declared, I'm almost done, that it is impossible for the day of the Lord to come unless there be a falling away. Somebody say a falling away. I want to present to you that the same God who commanded us to walk in love and unity is the very same God who sends a sort of division to distinguish that which really belongs to him and that which does not. Say, God is a God of distinction. The scripture says in Matthew 10, 34, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. But I don't believe that's the Lord because I don't feel the peace in my spirit. If he's telling you that your sin is going to send you to hell, you ought not feel a peace. You ought to feel disturbed. But if you can hear it, you'll save your life. See, it's time out for all of these false prophets. False prophets. You mean to tell me I've been in your service for three weeks and I'm a whoremonger and you ain't never told me nothing about my whoremongering and you're a prophet of who? All you told me was that God was going to bless me and I'm going to be great. And I'm going to be this and I'm going to go around the world. But did you tell me what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You're more concerned about me being happy enough to give you an offering than you are about my destiny in eternity. But we need God to raise up prophets that will tell the truth in spite of. Apostasy. I got to stop. Apostasy. Apostasy. He said, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus talking. This, this is in red. He said, for I have come to set a man against his father. And a daughter against her mother. And a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Why? Because we don't agree with your lifestyle. Y'all are going to get tight. So I'm not sitting at the table with you and your lover over a meal without telling you Jesus saves. This is tight. I know. It's, 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 not, it's not what they want to hear. What should I preach instead? Will you walk on water? Y'all know that's one of my favorite. Will you walk on water? Will you walk on water? When it comes to relations between brothers and sisters, I'm winding down. He commands peace and oneness. But when it comes to determining who is really his, he has never allowed for mixture. That means that dilution or dilution is a sign of the great apostasy. It means that adultery, which is not a sexual sin, adultery or adulterate means to water down. It means mixture. It means that when we water down the integrity of who we are as the people of God, that we are buying into a concept of apostasy. See, what is the point? The message that I have to give, not only to the summit, not only to my church, not only to the church at large, but this is a mandate for a generation to call people out of a place of defection into a place of genuine repentance. See, the problem is we have played church long enough that we no longer believe that God is really real. I can't believe God is real and showboat my sin in his presence. 
I can't believe God is real and speak against delegated authority. Oh, y'all didn't like that either. I can't believe God is real and have hatred in my heart and stir up division and sow discord in the house of God. Spiritual forces of deception are operating at an all-time high. And they have duped the people of God, even the very elect, if they could be deceived, into embracing a depraved and backslidden Christianity. We got concerts. We got programs. We got anniversaries. We got pastor celebrations. We got birthday celebrations. We got founders week. We got all of this stuff. But where are the shut-ins and the seasons of fasting? Where is the intercessory? Oh Lord, help me, please. The intercessory prayer. Where is the weeping between the porch and the altar? Where is the burden for the souls that are lost and going to hell from the church? Where is the sensitivity? And the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says the person sitting next to you is going to hell and nobody has warned them and they are comfortable enough in their mess that their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Where is the sensitivity that causes us to weep and to beg God to have mercy on blinded souls? We're desensitized because we're ambitious because it, oh, it's no longer about your soul it's about my name in lights it's no longer about souls it's about let me make sure I got my platform it's no y'all don't, yo, you don't have to like me but I'm telling the truth and I'm not giving up the mic it's not about souls it's about how many likes I get on Instagram it's not about souls. It's about how much money I can get in my pocket and how many revivals I can book and how I can rub shoulders with the elite and how I can get on the Word Network and how I can get on TBN and how I can get close to that artist and let them open up a door. We are backslidden as Christians and I got to sound an alarm. We have left the fundamentals for deception. We have left the main ingredients for fluff. We can't eat the cake because we're too consumed with the frosting. Ain't nobody ever bought a cake just to eat frosting. Ain't nobody ever make a cake just to eat frosting. I'm not going to go through that and, and sweat and slave in the kitchen and stir up them eggs and all of that stuff just so that I can scoop frosting on it, eat the frosting, and throw the cake away. We are looking for frosting. And forgetting the mandate to mix the ingredients to make sure the cake is properly baked. Can I present this as I'm winding down more? What if your ministry will never be greater than what it is now? You still going to serve God? Come on, y'all. Back up off of me. Because most of us are only serving God because we're expecting him to do something greater than what he's doing right now. But what if where you are is where you're going to be? What if you don't get to be a senior pastor? Let, oh, Lord, I know it's in here. Let me get real close and let me look like I'm serving. And every time the pastor raises his or her head, let me, let me make sure they see me moving something. Hi, pastor, how you doing? I'm working in the ministry because you're trying to get eldership papers so you can leave and go somewhere else. Pastor, you ready for the summit? Or watch this. Let me get close to the pastor. So every time the pastor goes somewhere, they see me with the pastor. So they think that I'm, you know, like I got the same thing the pastor got. So when they're looking for people for the revival, you're hoping the pastor's going to say, well, why don't you bring Michael? So you all up under the pastor's hip. Pastor can't even pass gas without it getting on you because you're so close. Our pursuit. It's not according to righteous truth. We're serving God with ulterior motives. And I'm telling you, judgment has to begin in the house of the Lord. And he's executing judgment. 
What is your motive? Watch this. Why are you trying to be anointed? So you can be closer to Jesus? Or so that more people fall when you lay hands on them? It's, it, it got tight. Why are you on the 40-day fast? Number one, why do we know you on a 40-day fast? You just canceled it. The Bible says do it in secret because when you announce it, you already have the reward. You just starved yourself for no reason. You on a 40-day fast not to move your flesh out of the way so that your spirit could be in the place of ascendancy and have unimpeded access to commune with God. No, no, no. You're on a 40-day fast so that you can have more power. But can I tell you that you are nothing more than Simon the sorcerer who tried to pay to have power to give people the Holy Ghost? He saw the apostles moving in power. He said, well, how much do I have to pay to get the same power? Y'all asking the same question. How long do I have to fast to get that power? Why are you trying to get power and your heart's not right? You better fast to make sure your soul is safe and right with God. We are pursuing God with unclean motives. Can I, can I tell y'all, I got to go. Ministry today, it ain't real. How do we know? Because people, we be, we, people will be in here getting healed all the time. We be in here casting out demons all the time. People will be getting supernatural breakthroughs all the time. People will come in here and get in the presence of God and get lost all the time. No, no, no. That's real ministry. You know what we're doing? Y'all ain't ready. You know what we're doing? You know why we're in ministry today? Because we're trying to get a sense of validation that our father and mother never gave us. Y'all not, y'all, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're trying to fill a void. I never felt important in my life, so let me become the most important person. I never felt validated in my life, so let me surround myself with people that are only going to do what I ask them. You're dealing with insecurity and emotional trauma and wounds. That's not the place for ministry. That's the place for therapy. Set you, I said set an appointment. And talk to a therapist. I got two good ones right here. Stand up. I got two good ones. Look at them. Both of them are prophets. And guess what? When you go to therapy, it's not ministry. So one, you're not getting no prophecy. Number two, you better have good insurance because you're going to have to pay them. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to get validated, this pulpit is too treacherous a place for you to come just to be validated because the kind of arrows that you've got to dodge, the kind of javelins that you've got to duck from, the kind of swords that are in your back, the kind of hell from the kingdom of darkness, it's not worth your insecurity. You're going to wind up dying prematurely. Baby, get from behind the pulpit. Get you a therapist and get fixed. It's an apostate generation when I'm trying to lead people that I don't even care about. I, I don't love you. I don't love your purpose. I don't, I don't love what God says about you. You ain't nothing more than an offering number in a basket for me. Apostasy. Lord, help me. I know I'm on live. Help me. Help me. Help me, Jesus. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with a situation right now. Well, it's as we speak, well, it's 9:30. They were meeting tonight at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Because they found out 
that the pastor was having tremendously, uh, I'm thinking of a good word, egregious relationships with people in his ministry. We are in an apostate generation when I can stand, not me, but they can stand as a man of God and say, the only way you're going to get delivered from your sex demon, cover all the kids' ears, cover their ears, is that you have to have a sexual encounter and ejaculate on me. At 8 o'clock, they were having a meeting. They called me. Two of them called me. They said, Apostle Furlow, what do we do? I found out that my fiancé, my male fiancé, has been manipulated by this pastor. And my male fiancé, this is a woman, came to me crying and confessing it. She said, I felt something in my spirit and I went into fasting and prayer and I said, God, you have to expose it. And she said, days later, my fiance came to me completely broken and said, I have to confess to you everything that's been going on. The pastor has been manipulating me into all kinds of sex acts in the name of deliverance. He told me this would make me a better husband to you if I sleep with him. Apostasy. Apostasy. People are going to hell behind some of these people in these pulpits. And while people are crying out, Apostle Furlow, what do we do? Do we expose it to the whole church? What do we do? And I'm in intercession trying to get the wisdom of God. I never had to deal with nothing like that in my life. Trying to get the wisdom of God. What do we do? Do we call Larry Reed? Like, what do we, how do we get, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? I mean, that's an exposure. I mean, Getting the wisdom of God. And then we look at our churches. And all we care about is who has the highest register. And who can hit the highest notes. And who looks the best. And who drives which car. And who has on which label. While we got generations of people that are crying out for the true and living God. And we're the ones that's supposed to be showing the nations Christ. And all we can show them is pants that are too tight for men. Apostasy. I'm not harping on it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be gone. Are there any heterosexual males in your church? Apostasy. It's apostasy. Y'all, it's, that's uncomfortable. Come on, just go like this because it, it's tight. It's tight. You don't get to live your truth in the face of truth. Your only option is to side with the truth, the way, and the life. You don't have, your truth is a lie in his face. When did Christians forget that the calling on us, if we are to follow him, is to deny ourselves? So that may be your truth, but the moment you follow him, you got to recognize that your truth is a bold-faced lie. Because I got to deny everything about me in order to pick up a cross and to follow him to a place where I don't even know. Probably a place of crucifixion, but either way, I've got to take the cross and follow Apostasy happens when we put down the cross and stop denying ourselves. Well, God made me this way. No, you were shaped in sin and in iniquity. God didn't do that. Adam did that. Now we got a second Adam that came to rectify it. Now, you can be foolish if you want and stay in the predicament that the first Adam left you in, but you're going to bust hell wide open and you're not going to have nobody to blame but you.
apostasy. What does this mean, y'all? I'm, I'm, I think I'm done. Uh, what, is, what does it mean? It means huh, that we, we have got to get back. I know, I know you millennials think that it's antiquated, but there was a day when we didn't need a fog machine because we had real glory. So you have substituted the kabod for vapor because you've never experienced kabod. So you said, let me find an atmosphere that looks like something they told me about so that you can turn the lights off real dark so you can't see where it's coming from and pretend it's Jesus and go to worship it. But there has to be a people. There has to be a remnant. There has to be a people that are hungry that say, no, I don't want no vapor. Get me the glory. I don't want smoke. I want the power. Who am I preaching to? I got to close the book. Who am I preaching to? There has to be a sound. There has to be a cry. There has to be a desperation. There has to be a pursuit that say, God, I'm going to rent my heart, not my garments. Let the fire. Let the fire fall. Open your mouth right there. Let the fire fall. Let the fire. Come on. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Let the fire fall. Apostles, prophets, leaders of Ecclesia Global. See, I can't tell you what they're doing over there across the street. But I can tell you what we've been called to do. Y'all. I can't tell you what the fellowship with 10,000 churches is doing. I know I ain't read nothing about no miracles. I ain't even seen no mass salvation. Y'all recycling, recycle church people. That's not, y'all better get up off of me. That's not kingdom progress. We need somebody that's been gripped by the power of God that can go into a region and shift an atmosphere and shift the climate and pull a prince down and cause people that have never been saved to be born in the kingdom. That the glory of God is so intense that the drug addict walks in off the street. What must I do? The Holy Spirit said... It's a delusion because the people have forgotten that straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. So when we see a crowd of 5,000, we automatically assume that God has done a tremendous blessing. We automatically assume that the kingdom has made significant progress. You know what it is? Can I tell you what's happening? If my message stirs up and incites a rebellious spirit in you and makes you revolt, defect, become apostate against God's system and God's order and God's authority, you know what I did? I created a convention and a fellowship of witches because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So if all of y'all are defects from other churches, all of y'all were the unseemling ones in other churches, y'all were all the ones that didn't submit to authority, you're all the ones that was in the parking lot prophesying and then y'all all get together, sounds like God is making it easier just to judge y'all all in one spot. Sounds like to me that God is setting y'all up for the okey-doke. Oh, oh, y'all don't think God does that? Oh, we were in the Bible. And the king was trying to go up against Jehoshaphat. They were trying to figure out whether or not I should do it. He said, let me go find a prophet and find out what the Lord was saying. But what he did not know 
was behind the scenes, God has summoned a tribunal of spiritual forces. And the Lord asked a question to the spiritual potentates and the spiritual archons that were in the meeting. And he said, how am I going to persuade the king to go up against them so that I can expend my wrath? Well, one of the spiritual forces stepped up and said, send me. I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And so that spirit, y'all not saying nothing in here, went from the presence of God into the king's court, into the king's prophets, and began to prophesy. I lie. Some of these movements have been authored by spirits that God has given permission to, to sift the thought and the intention of the heart of an apostate generation. You're full of pride. You're full of arrogance. You're full of haughtiness and you think God is pushing you forth? You think God is elevating you? That's a recipe for disaster. The scripture says, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and then he exalts you in due season. And when he exalts you, you don't start perverting scripture and twisting it to fit your dilemma. Can I sound an alarm? I'm, I'm about to stop. When you start perverting scripture to fit your dilemma instead of making your dilemma fit scripture, you have become the generation's heretic. You can't preach a message of grace that insults the nature of a holy God. The grace is you get to repent. Y'all didn't like none of that. I said the grace, the goodness, the mercy, the loving kindness of God is that you're still breathing and can still turn to him and say, God, have mercy. The grace isn't that a holy God has to accept your unrepentant junk. It's not grace. That's not grace. That's apostasy. I'm not saying we need to be legalistic. I'm saying we need to be sanctified and holy. Let he who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Christ has no fellowship with Belial. Light has no fellowship with darkness. You can't be clean and unclean. Clean and unclean water doesn't come from the same spout. You can't be righteous and unrighteous. If you do unrighteousness, you are unrighteous. Jesus said, you got to bear fruits worthy of repentance. So that means, what does that mean? Oh, it ain't none of your business. Oh, yes, it is. Because a tree is known by their fruit. What's growing on you is my business, and I've been charged to inspect your fruit. I have an obligation to identify what kind of tree you are, and I can only identify it by what's growing on you. So I'm looking at you as a pear tree trying to figure out why oranges are showing up. There's a problem with the system. And I got a right to ask you, pear tree, why is there oranges? Let me deal with this. Gotta go. Second Thessalonians scripture. Take your seat real quick. I'm done. It reveals to us that in the end times, that Satan's agenda is gonna be accomplished. It said the day of the Lord will not come. Beloved, let me tell you this. It will not come unless there is first a falling away and the man of sin is revealed. It's the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as himself as God, showing himself that he's God in the temple. The word used to reference the man of sin is anthropos in the Greek, which means male or female, and it refers to humanity more than it does an individual. So listen to what the apostle is saying. He's saying the man of sin is not an individual. He's saying it's going to be humanity 
being degraded to a certain extent that humanity only becomes consumed with sin. The man of sin that Satan is going to use is any person of the human race that has their place and position of authority in the temple of God who were willing to compromise the integrity, the validity, and the authenticity of their salvation and calling in Jesus Christ, and they're willing to sell out to Satan for whatever bill of goods he is offering them. Satan is always offered an alternate to God's directive. God will say, this is the way you're going to go. Satan will tell you, I'll get you there quicker if you follow me. He said to the Son of God, that I'll give you all of this stuff that he created, mind you, that he knew Jesus created, if you would just fall down and worship me. Jesus wasn't moved because he knew that ultimately, that through the process, he would get the name that was above every single name. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So there were things that Jesus Christ had to be perfected into. But the Bible says that after his death, burial, and resurrection, that God raised him higher than the highest heavens and then gave him the name that was above every name. So he had to go to the cross to get the exalted place. Satan will try to offer you exaltation without the process of suffering. That's how we get apostate leaders that have never been through nothing, but you're trying to lead. You've never been broken, but you're trying to command spiritual powers. Y'all want me to stop. I got it. This is no different than Adam and Eve because they sold out. Balaam, he sold out. The king of Babylon in Isaiah 14, he sold out. Judas Iscariot, he sold out. And this is what Satan tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness. So we got to make up our mind that we're not going to be apostate and we're not going to sell out. Somebody say amen. amen. We're in the days of the great apostasy. There is a massive falling away that is about to occur. The pretentious, the unrighteous, the unyielding, and the unsaved are going to be seen for who and what they truly are. And I'm here to sound an alarm and to serve notice. Don't be shocked when you find out who they are. Don't be moved at the person that you saw at every church revival. Turns out to be the biggest sinner of the bunch because he's separating the wheat from the tare and the secrets of men's hearts, not just their actions, but what they think is about to be revealed. That's why we gotta pray the prayer, Lord, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable because when the judgment comes, he doesn't only reveal what you do, but he reveals what you believe. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Said the secret of men's hearts will be made known. This is a movement. Ecclesia Global, it's a movement. There's enough fellowships. There's enough networks, there's enough groupies, there's enough sellouts. Watch this, can I say this? There's enough cults. Just because you name the name of Jesus don't mean you're a cult, not a cult. If the insignia is tattooed over everybody, y'all a cult. Why is, that, why is that hard to believe? Study cults. First of all, it's the root word of culture, but almost always there is a mark or something that is embrazened on the people that are a part of a cult. There's a mark, there's an insignia that they have to be branded with that shows that they are of that set. There are cults that are masquerading as segments of the body of Christ. It's not driven by the spirit of God. It's driven by the personality of the charismatic leader. Y'all, I got to deal with researchers. Study David Koresh, Jim Jones. They all started out as prophets. Revival meetings, salvations. But their real nature got to be shown for what it really was. 
They wanted a following of people that they could shape and mold into their image. That would do whatever they say blindly without any other thought. That's, the, that's a cult. We have a mandate. Not to be a cult. Be a cult. Not to create copycats and duplicates and people that dress like somebody and try to talk like somebody and have mannerisms like somebody. That's not what we're doing. God is summoning together apostolic prophetic leaders from different places around the world to bring us to a place of collaboration so that together we can get the counsel and the wisdom and the mind of God for what he's doing in the nations and so that God can have a synergy and a unity amongst the people that will hear what he's saying clearly and accurately and then disseminate it out throughout the earth. See, that's the problem. When you try to build something like this that God said, because you got to overcome everybody that has their own ego and their own agenda that want to do their own thing with two people. God will call masses together, and you can't get masses to connect because they over there pastoring two people behind the shed thing for the drum. They can't give up two to become a part of a greater whole. Not realizing that God called the mandate. See, I'm just the echo. I'm just saying what I heard. But this is not about me. If you, see, if you think it's just about me, then you'll think you're not getting your opportunity. And then you won't connect because you think it's about me. It's not about me. This glory here is not about me. This anointing here is not about me. It's more about you than it's about me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where once again, we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.